Hello, Chris Evans here with this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. It was so packed, we loved it so much, I can't believe all this happened in five days. Acting superstar Jeremy Irons chatting about the highly anticipated new Ridley Scott film in which he co-stars with Lady Gaga, House of Gucci, singing sensation Jack Savaretti, discussing his new single, The Way You Said Goodbye, and his upcoming 2022 UK tour. Journalist and author James Nestor talks about his incredible best-selling book Breath the new science of a lost art taking the world by storm and our favourite member of the F1 team Crofty David Croft shares all ahead of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix all of that and so much more to come so let's get right into it Dabba Dave who's first whether it's a stage or a screen if our next guest is on it you're guaranteed a good time the new Ridley Scott movie House of Gucci is in cinemas now and here to tell us why a thrilling tale of familial infighting betrayal and murder will never go out of fashion it's the one and only Jeremy Irons Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. And yourself? You sound very chatty this morning. <laughs> I am very chatty this morning. It's sort of what I get paid for, Jeremy. I think it is anyway. I hope it is, because that's sort of what I do. All uh, right. So, House of Gucci, it's in the cinemas now. Who do you play and um, who's your son? Uh, we sort of know what happens to him. Um, why might that be? Uh, cover all the bases, Jeremy. Get us in the mood. Well, I play Rodolfo Gucci, who is the brother of Aldo Gucci. Between the two of them, um, Aldo is played by uh, Al Pacino. Between the two of them, they run the family uh, back in the 80s. And he, uh, um, uh, Rodolfo, a very conventional Italian macho father, um, his wife died about uh, 10 years before the film starts. And he's raising his son, uh, Maurizio, played by Adam Driver, um, controlling him, uh, nervous about um, who he marries because they will eventually uh, uh, take over Gucci. And um, uh, my, my son meets uh, a character called Patrizia, who uh, is played by Lady Gaga, and uh, she takes the, uh, the firm off in a direction which I wouldn't approve, but then, um, then I die. So a, a lot happens after I'm gone. <laughs> Yeah, but while you're there, as always, you light up the screen. Um, so from what I've read, it sounds like you had a good old time making it with Lady Gaga. We had a great time. Um, we were we were shooting in lockdown, which was not that easy, in Milan and Rome. And um, so we were masked up and we were not able to go out to restaurants. Everything was shut. We had to work in a bubble. But what I discovered was that this, this woman who, who I'm enormously uh, admiring of. Um, I remember she she turned me to tears when she sang at the inauguration for, for, for Biden. Um, I, I think she's an extraordinary artist. And I didn't quite know what to expect, but in fact, she's a tremendous actress. She's a woman with her feet firmly on the ground, a great businesswoman, um, but but also a great actress who... who uh, I, I think carries the film and is, is really tremendous. But sitting working with her on that first day, I remember thinking she's just an ordinary, hard-working, concentrated actress, and she's yeah. very good. 
and very reassuring for you, I, I imagine. So this story, this story that you're, you're portraying in the movie, it's such it's such a, 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 a sort of authentically dramatic tale. Anyway, how do you then add the drama required for the silver screen to that? Well, the drama is there in the script. It's, a, it, it, it's as you say, it's a fantastic book that we're we're based we're based upon um, of the story of this family and. You get a director like Ridley Scott, who who knows about filmmaking, who knows about making epics. I I, I shot with him years ago, uh, twenty years ago, um, uh, in a film about the Crusades, Kingdom of Heaven, and Ridley he knows how to do it. I mean, he he's just a consummate filmmaker. He was he's also a painter, so he's got a, a wonderful eye. Um, and he knows about storytelling. So the picture has a great drive to it um, and a great energy to it. And how was it working with Al Pacino? Um, and I wonder how it was uh, for him working with you. What, what kind of vibe did you get? Well, it was lovely. It was lovely. We, we're, we're old friends. I mean, we worked together um, some time ago in uh, Merchant of Venice and we've remained friends since. And... Sitting down, talking to him about the scene, and then going out and shooting it was one of the most pleasurable and <laughs> easiest things that I, I, I've had to do for a long time. You know, if you're working with a master, which Al is, um, uh, unfortunately, he works in a very similar way to me. Um, it's a real, real pleasure. It doesn't feel like work at all. Wow. Uh, great answer, begging two questions. So, first of all, um, what, why, he's, why do you consider him such a master? Of course he is, but, but why do you, considering who you are and what you do for a living, and, and what do you share when you say you work in a very similar way to each other? Well, he's a master because of the body of work he's done. You just look at his, uh, his performances. And he's an actor who loves to work in the theatre as much as film, like I do. Um, I remember seeing an extraordinary performance he gave of Shylock in The Merchant of Venice on Broadway in New York. Really spectacular performance, spectacular production, which I wanted him to bring to London, and he never did in the end. Um, but so he has the he he he, uh, he has the same uh, outlook on the business that, that I do, um, and we come from a method of working where we soak ourselves into the characters before we before we start shooting and then get to the shoot and are very loose about it, very easy, very playful. Um, and, of course, the great thing about Ridley Scott is that he shoots with four cameras at the same time. Yeah, so yeah. if you create a scene which m m maybe is different from the last take, the cameras have got everything. And then you go on to, you're going to do a third take um, and you can do it quite differently and the cameras will get all of that. So you don't have to, so to speak, repeat yourself, remember what you did, how yeah. you said a particular line, because the camera's got it. Oh, and Ridley, Ridley, by working in that way, he makes it very relaxed for the actors. And if you're relaxed, then you, I think, in as an artist in any way, you do your best work. Jeremy, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Uh, thanks for your time. It's, it's always great to talk to you. Have a lovely Christmas. Lots of love to the family. Stay safe and carry on being as amazing as yours have been. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. You're God very bless. welcome. Jeremy Irons, starring with his pals, one of which is Al Pacino, another is Lady Gaga and Cami Cotin. 
in House of Gucci in cinemas now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave giving the big intro. He's got the looks, he's got the guitar, and luckily for us, he's got a new single. The Way You Said Goodbye is out now, so please welcome a man that fell out of the talent tree, hit every branch on the way down, and landed in a very sexy pond. It's the brilliant Jack Sabaretti! <laughs> yes! Good morning. Well put, Dave, by the way. Thank you, thanks. Yeah. Not like yourself. You could have fallen out of the pop. same tree, let me tell you. Can I keep that? Can yes. I? Can I yours, that's man. my Christmas card. Jack, where, where was this talent tree that Dave's talk? I have no idea, about. man. It must have been somewhere, though. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I think I just got, I just, yeah. I, I still question if there's any talent at all. I'm just very oh, good at shut. fooling you into thinking that there might be when something When was there. the first time you did something musically where somebody around you went, Hang on a minute, that's quite good. You know, I actually do remember this. I was on a school trip, and <laughs> I've never said this to really many people, let alone on Virgin Radio to you, um, but Sister Act 2 had come out. Do you remember Sister you Act 2? I, I love Sister Act 2. And Sister Act 2 blew my mind. Uh, I, I, it was Lauren Hill, and I just loved the whole, everything about the music was incredible. And there was a kid that sang Oh Happy Days. Um, in one of the, in one of the, and he was really shy. And believe it or not, I used to be really shy, and yeah. I was very short. And we were on a school trip, and some of the kids were singing it, singing "Oh Happy Days" because Sister Act Two was the, you know, the hot movie of the time. And I just started singing it, and my friends sort of turned to me and they're like, "Oh, you can sing," and I nobody had ever said that to me before. So from that day onwards, I was like. How old were you then? About 15, 14, 15. Uh, and did you... There uh, might have been alcohol and stuff involved. Yeah, but nevertheless, <laughs> but, it cut through one way or another. Yeah, it did. It did. And, and had you been singing at home before that? Then? No, not really, man. Honestly? I was, I, was, I was told to mime in my school choir. I remember no. the school I was at before was this. I went to an Italian school for three years, and it was priests. It was a Salisiani, Don Bosco sort of school. And we were on TV for one Christmas special, and I was put in the section of kids that had to mime because I couldn't sing. So I always, I well, always think of Because you actually couldn't sing or they thought you couldn't sing? They thought I couldn't sing, I guess. I mean, I guess it's all a matter of perspective when it comes to... And what about guitar sort of... and piano then? That came later. I, my, the first instrument I ever fell in love with was a drum kit. Um, I used to think music class was the biggest waste of time growing up till mm. I was 14, moved to an American school, a new school, walked in the first day of school and there was a white pearl drum kit in the corner of the music room mm. and I thought, what does that do? And I sat behind it and now one of my best friends happened to be sitting next to it with an electric guitar and he did Green Day it was when Dookie album came out and he was playing Paranoid and I just picked up these two sticks to this day I don't know why and there was a little snare drum and I did that drum roll at the beginning of Paranoid that he does and the guy looked at me and it was like it was another one of those moments but he was like you can play the drums you're the drummer so I became like the school drummer for the next two no, years straight off the bat literally yeah I mean when I say school drummer I was rubbish but, but did you yeah. have lessons then or not no I just kind of started listening to a lot of music and trying to figure out what do drummers do and what about chords on pianos and guitars then guitars came later because I got so sick and tired of waiting for my friends to tune their guitars while I was waiting to play the drums right. so I ended up all of my friends played guitar and I never learned other people's songs I could never do that I still really I'm not that guy at a party you want that you like you know I, those guys that can play any song yeah. I'm not that guy but I could steal three or four chords and I found it easier to make up my own stuff than to learn stuff so I ended up be and becoming a songwriter because I was cheating and I used to tell people that it wasn't my song I never would say this is my song so when we were all hanging out Everybody was playing the Blackbirds or, you know, Sweet Home Alabamas and everything. And I would just start playing something. And nobody, when I realized nobody said, what's that rubbish? I started telling people, by the way, this is mine. Yeah, but when you have to call out a key, you know, or a chord sequence to the band. I, do I don't do that. So, so seriously. So, because yeah, Jules Holland's the same. Jules Holland does not read, cannot read music. I can't read But of note, course, he's not no. musically illiterate whatsoever. He's amazing on the piano. Yeah, he's got technique and he's, I mean, he's, he, I, I'm musical. I'm not a musician. 
I, I use music, but I it's don't understand. Yeah, I work with musicians, and I'm I'm very far from where they are with understanding how it works. But I like to use it. I enjoy using it. So I guess that makes me musical rather than a musician. But you can do something that many musicians can't do. And and how how does that land? Because I know your band, and they really yeah. respect you. You have you seem to have an amazing time together. You all seem to be having fun. I'm sure there are bumps yeah. in the road always because there always are. But is it because you have a, a reverence and respect for them, and they know that you know you're not as good at them as what they do? One hundred percent, and vice versa. You know, I sort of say. It's like being, you know, a crew on a ship. Everybody knows their what they can and can't do. Yeah. I'm always the guy that's trying to keep the enthusiasm of the direction the ship can sail when they sometimes don't necessarily believe that. They're the ones that are figuring out how everything is made and done so that the ship doesn't sink. Right. Um, so that's kind of the difference of our roles. And together it works like magic. It's taken a long time to find a team, though, because there's always one person who thinks they can do what somebody else can do better. And so it, it takes a while to find a group of guys that really everybody knows what they're great at and, what, and to allow those who are better at them at something else for them to do it. But what does excel, and I'm not musically qualified at all, but I've been around it all my life, um, what is exceptional is your voice. I mean, if, you, you, if you had to pit your, pitch your voice against your guitar proficiency yeah. and your <laughs> piano and your drum proficiency, is your voice always going to win that battle? Yeah, of course, because it's not so much my voice. I, I, again, like I said, I use music. So when I'm playing a guitar, it's just a tool that's allowing me to... to do what I really want to do, which is express myself. Right. The reason I use music is because I like whether it's talking or singing. I like to express how I feel. I was raised in a household where saying how you feel was admired. It wasn't sort of frowned upon. Right. So I still have that. I, I and I cherish that when I meet people. I love people that can just tell me how it is or how it is for them, whether I agree with it or not. So music was just this really lovely way of me being able to do that. But rather than just imposing my my experience of life and my feelings on people, it was also providing a gift something they could use so it's kind of killing two birds with one stone i was getting i learned to get stuff off my chest at a very young age through music but i also realized it would make my mother cry while she was cooking dinner in a good way or it would make my friends really happy at a party and so when i saw that those two things were being done at the same time i thought this is a win-win i love this yeah so it was yeah i've been kind of addicted to it ever since mood follows music Indeed. Jack, have a lovely Christmas. Man, thank it's you so much, It's going to be so different much, this year. It is going to be different. But maybe more profound than ever. Indeed, more profound and... More you meaningful. Know, and, and we got to, you know, it's about the, it's about the kids, man. we got to just give them and the best Christmas. And you have a new Christmas. member of the brood. we got a new member of the family. So Father Christmas is going to be busy. Do we have a name? Can we... Celeste. Celeste, beautiful. Yeah, what she's very beautiful. She doesn't stop smiling, so she's a little gift. All right, pal. Well, it's great to see you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You are absolutely awesome. If you want to go and see Jack next year, jacksabaretti.com. Uh, tickets available for his 14-day UK tour beginning in March into April. Goodbye! The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. We all do it. Some of us do it better than others, but none of us are doing it as well as we used to. That's right, breathing. It's best-selling breath. The new science of a lost art is out now, and here to tell us more is a man so switched on and smart, he must breathe through his nose. It's the brilliant James Nestor! James, finally we meet, my friend! Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. So, um, how long did it take you to write this book? Um, how long did it take you to, first of all, from the seed uh, to publishing date, how long did, was that arc? And then how long have you been talking about it for? And when might that finally end? 
Well, it wasn't a specific time where I started writing the book. A bunch of things started happening over the series of many years, and I started understanding and seeing things that didn't make any sense that seemed impossible. People holding their breath for 11 minutes, that doesn't make sense. People using their breathing to heat their bodies up, that doesn't make sense. People using their breathing to heal themselves of chronic conditions. And so it was only after several years of talking to scientists that I was able to convince my agent, who thought this book was a terrible idea, <laughs> that it might be worth writing. So uh, about a decade. No slight on your aging because it's understandable. But then when you read the book and, and, you know, as it's fully formed, you think it is a work of genius. And you always always defer this, uh, deflect this kind of praise. But it really is a work of genius. Um, The stars align for this book. Um, uh, It it has a certain uh, sort of, um, what do they call elegance to it? They talk about it, don't they, in physics, quantum physics. It has an elegance to it, which seems like it, it... didn't write itself, but it, you know there didn't seem to be many. They don't, I don't sense many bumps on the pages, uh, but I'm sure it wasn't like that. Was it? <laughs> I'll give you an earlier draft when it was about 800 pages long, really? and I said, "There's no way I can finish this thing." So it went through so many iterations. You've got a subject that's very broad, right? Breathing. You can write about anything, which yeah. is exactly the problem. You can uh-huh. write about anything. So how do you figure out a story within this very broad subject that makes some sort of semblance of sense? But it's so important, isn't it? It's so important. Breathing, obviously it's important to stay alive, but if you're mindful of your breathing, you can achieve so much with it. You can get less hungry. You can get more energy. Uh, you can be more, um, uh, you can be more, more alive generally, you know, um, as you say, you talk about, uh, you know, we, we've, we talked a lot, a lot about meditation over the last few weeks because we're doing this merry mindfulness thing every Wednesday. You know, I say to people who are really good at being present and, um, I say, you know, what is the what is a trigger when people need, if they're in an interview situation and their mind is saying, their chin, their monkey's going crazy, they say, always go back to the breath. Always. It's so, so, so important. If you if somebody just landed on the planet and they wanted to know what your book was about, how would you describe it? It's about how we modern humans have lost the ability to breathe correctly. I know that seems like an outrageous claim until you look at the percentages of people right now that suffer from chronic respiratory disorders, and it's the vast majority of people on the planet. Whether you're talking about snoring, sleep apnea, allergies, chronic sinusitis, and more, asthma, COPD, I could keep going. Insomnia. So insomnia, and and so you have so many people that it suffer from these things, but it's just considered normal now until you look at the literature and the history and you find that we did not have these problems 200, 300 years ago. And hunter-gatherer cultures right now have none of these problems. So what has happened and how do we fix it? So where did it all go wrong? It started going wrong about 400, 500 years ago with the introduction of industrial foods. And you could see a very clear line By the time people stopped eating their traditional diets and started eating processed flour, processed rice, sugary stuff, canned stuff, bottled stuff, their faces started deteriorating. Their teeth grew in crooked. And that was the first time any animal in the history of life on Earth has had chronically crooked teeth on a widespread population. And this happened so suddenly, about 50% of the population in a single generation got crooked teeth. You have crooked teeth because your mouth's too small. You have a mouth that's too small. You have problems breathing. It's harder to breathe this way. This is one of the main drivers between, behind snoring, sleep apnea, and other chronic respiratory problems. There are so many uh, roads we could turn down here. Um, When did 
we begin to realise it was such a chronic problem, or is is that down to you? Because <laughs> no. it might be down to you. I know you all say this, but it might be no. down to you. I don't know anybody else who's this is... who's asked this question in sort of a, a sort of um, sort of headline, you know, bright lights kind of way as you have. Oh, well, I would love to take credit for it, uh, but I am only a reporter. Okay, so my job is to go into the field and talk to scientists who have been studying this stuff for decades and decades and decades and publishing scientific studies on this. And and the scientific foundation here is enormous. There are thousands and thousands of papers saying this. The problem is the general population hasn't been reading these very strange and oddly titled scientific journals. All right, so so what is the hope? You know, we talk about climate change. I can't see it turning around anytime soon, but it's not dissimilar when it comes to our breathing. What are the chances of us re-educating, first of all, ourselves and then our nation and dearest without preaching to them and the whole world without doing the same? Because, you know, if we if we encourage people to be a little bit mindful, you know, maybe um, uh, uh, vocalise their intentions every morning, which will help them to to sort of subconsciously uh, program the, the comp- the, their computer of the day to help make the things they want to happen happen for all the right reasons they keep it up for a couple of days and then the momentum or the motivation drops off how on earth do we fix breathing how do we fix a problem like breathing james well my mission with the book wasn't just to harangue on and on about all the problems we have right uh that would be very boring it was to address the real core issues so that we could figure out real durable solutions. And I had several chronic respiratory problems for years and years. I was told it was normal. I found a way of getting rid of those. And I thought, I wonder if this is going to work for somebody else. And and it turns out it, it does. And just because something is simple, just just because breathing through your nose is very easy doesn't mean it's extremely powerful we have such we do such a good job of overcomplicating everything now i mean look at diets right now or exercise or whatever you're doing but just the simplest things lifestyle changes can make an enormous difference to your health and the science is very clear on that james it's great to meet you in person Thank you so much for having me. Really have, appreciate we it. We have a load of emails, load of questions for you, but we've run out of time. Hopefully, most of them were answered within that conversation anyway. But it's all in the book. The book is Breath, the New Science of a Lost Art. And he was James Nestor on Guru Tuesday. Breathe, everyone. Double inhale. Exhale in your own good time. And feel better immediately. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. It's going down to the wire for Verstappen and Hamilton, which must be very, very stressful for them, but brilliant for us. That's right, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this weekend. And here to tell us more is a man that better wins every time. It's the oil slick, Crofty! <laughs> Good morning, Jamie! Good morning, Christoph. So it is down to the wire. Is it, is it tinsel entwined wire? You know, how many Grand Prix are left? Um, um, you know, how are the runners and the riders? What's the SP? How is the land lying as far as you can sense it? Because you are in Saudi Arabia. Yes, I am. Um, I, I'm, I'm overlooking the Red Sea this morning. Um, it's a gorgeous day here on the Corniche in Jeddah. Second largest city uh, in Saudi Arabia. Population 4.7 million people. Wow. Uh, we could have a champion crowned uh, this weekend. Max Verstappen, if he outscores Lewis Hamilton by 18 points, will end a run of 13 consecutive years of drivers' championship victories by only British and German drivers. Uh, not since Kimi Räikkönen won in 2007. We had a, a non-German or British champion. Uh, he's got to outscore Lewis by 18 points. Mercedes could be constructors champions. If they outscore Red Bull by 40 points, 
I don't think either of those things are going to happen. I do think it's going down to the wire next week in Abu Dhabi. But we've got a new race uh, to look forward to and a night race too at what could be the fastest ever street track that we've ever had in Formula Woo! One. They, they reckon, how about this? They reckon an average speed of 157 miles an hour mm. on a street track with not much runoff. It's um, it's fraught with danger this weekend for all concerned. All right, well, that's good. Lovely scene sitting there, Crofty. Thanks so much. Uh, and no what worries. do you think? What do you think might happen? Uh, what are the whispers around the pit lane already? I think what might happen is that Mercedes, whose qualifying pace has taken an upward turn since Italy, uh, will get Lewis Hamilton on pole. I think Max Verstappen will finish second because you just can't separate Lewis and Max for this weekend. Um, and I think Mercedes, fast in the high speed corners, very fast down the straights. Uh, will get the win that they need to take it uh, to the wire. And maybe if Lewis Hamilton can win and get a fastest lap out of it as well, with Max going second, um, points being level by the time we start the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Wouldn't that be mega? After 21 races yeah. to go into the final race with nothing to separate the two contenders. All right. And as you say it's a fast track, which is good. It's exciting. It's going to be a new uh, night street circuit, which is really, really fantastic to watch. It's also at half five on Sunday tea time. So it gives us all something to look forward to at the yeah. end of the weekend, you know, to sort of stave off those Sunday night blues, which do happen <laughs> sometimes. But what's it like for overtaking? Well, we're hoping that the overtaking is going to be pretty good, actually. Often on the street circuit, you don't get a lot of overtaking. But I'm looking at a map of the track here. And turn 27, because mm -hmm. there are 27 corners here, that's got overtaking potential. I think the first turn's got overtaking potential as well. Turn 13's a hairpin. We could get some overtaking into that. There are three... DRS zones and I think we've got at least three or maybe four overtaking possibilities on the track which is fine it, it, the, 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 the commercial rights holder Liberty have worked in conjunction with the local Saudi Arabian uh, hosting committee to try and design a track where you can overtake we don't often get it on street tracks this one I think we might Right, we're hearing uh, the other big news as far as you're concerned mm -hmm. is to do with the number of Christmas trees in your house back in Bedfordshire <laughs> and also the fact you have a six-foot tree in your bedroom. Yes. Don't yeah. blame you. So uh, you've, got, you've got to have a real tree, right? Yeah, you've got you to have your fakey tree. trees. You've got to have a real tree. And uh, last year, mm -hmm. I came back from the final race and my gorgeous other half, Laura, had put a Christmas tree, real one, in our bedroom. And I just thought it was the most wonderful thing. So we've done it again. Oh. But not just a real tree, mm -hmm. but we've got the lights on the tree hooked up to um, a special socket that you can control from your phone and set a timer to. So you can fall asleep with the lights on and then they turn themselves off after about half an hour. And it's just the most sweet, wonderful thing at this time of the year. Wow, Crofty, I love it. I knew you were a Christmassy <laughs> kind of guy. Um, oh, very much Please so. tell me that, you know, in the evening when you, you're stopping, you know, you're stopping what you're doing and you're going to, please tell me the lights are all red. And then when you get up, it's green for go. <laughs> Go, go, go! <laughs> Come on! Yeah. Um, I do shout lights out and away we go yeah. uh, whenever they switch themselves Perfect. off. But yeah, Love I, it. for you, I will do a Christmas Eve go, go, go and send it to you. Please. With a happy Christmas TikTok on it. TikTok it. Send it to the world, Crofty. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because Crofty, you are, you are famous all over the world, aren't you? Because F1 is a global yeah. sport and, and Sky's coverage is taken by many, many broadcasters and you are the guy. We landed at the airport yesterday. It was ever so sweet. And there were a couple of Red Bull fans because they had the Red Bull outfits on. Came up to us all, Damon and Simon, Ted, myself uh, and Ant, and said, would you do a little birthday message for our, our, our son who's one year old? 
we want to do is record it especially because you guys have come to Saudi Arabia for the first time. And that was really sweet because we didn't actually know that we were recognised here massive. in Saudi Arabia, you but are we massive. are. You are absolutely massive. <laughs> we are massive. Well, listen, you have a fantastic weekend. I will be glued. Can't wait. Half five, brand new Grand Prix night, Circuit Street, Circuit Saudi Arabia. It's going to the wire. You're awesome. Give our love to everybody there and safe home, my friend. Safe home. I certainly will. Cheers, Chris. Awesome. Sky Sports F1, it starts, uh, the coverage starts tomorrow and the Grand Prix itself, half past five on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and if you, talking about how, you know, global Crofty is, if you Google, my son discovered this week, if you Google just for the internet, not Formula One search, just the internet and here, and here, just those words, and here, the first thing that comes up is, and here comes Sebastian Vettel, because it's one of his famous lines of commentary. Isn't that great? It is. Fantastic. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, we've heard from a bunch of sensational guests already, but still to come. Daughter of the late Sir Captain Tom Moore, Hannah Ingram Moore, has news about National Grief Awareness Week and the amazing charity, which is the Good Grief Cafe organisation. The Luna-loving Kirsty Gallagher flicks through her brand new book, Crystals for Self-Care, with news about a new moon and what we should do and not do around that particular event. Plus, titan of Instagram and literally one of the nicest people you could ever wish to meet, Mrs. Hinn reveals all about her latest book, Life in Lists. So let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who is next? You've got a clean and tidy house because of her, and with her latest release, you can have a clean and tidy mind. Her new book, Life in Lists, is out now. So ladies and gentlemen, Santa Claus isn't the only one making a list and checking it twice, because so is the wonderful Mrs. Hinge! Mrs. Hinge! Mrs. Hinge! Mrs. Hinge! Mrs. Hinge! Mrs. Hinge! Mrs. Wow, that gives me instant super dad status for at least at least a minute. <laughs> but I'll take it. Oh, what's her name? 
Jade. Hello, Jade. Oh, my goodness. She'll be so thrilled. And she loves Christmas. I bet you adore Christmas, I don't do. you? I do. How, how, how much, out of 10, how, are, how much are you all in on Christmas? Out of 10. I'm a full 10. You're a full I 10. I am a full I 10. I love it. I, 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 knew, I knew you would be. Especially since having children as well, I feel like I'm reliving my my youth. Do you know what I mean? I can go yeah. back to pretending I'm excited for the children, yeah. but it's actually... Yeah. For, for me as well. Well, excitement is excitement. <laughs> doesn't matter why, in a no, way. No, exactly, exactly. Because uh, w- I nearly came to your house, didn't I? We ne- did. We nearly recorded a podcast, but we couldn't in the end because um, because of COVID. Um, what did I miss? Or if I came around today, what might I enjoy? How is the festive Hinch household? How does it look? Messy at the moment, right. if I'm honest with you. <laughs> Have a very messy Christmas. <laughs> I'm a very messy house, but that's okay. That's okay. No, um, the fireplace is decorated, right. has had its Christmas spin put on it. Um, apart from that, I've made some reindeer rice cakes for the kids. Have you? I haven't started my Christmas shopping just yet, mm-hmm. um, but I have a hell of a load of lists. And it's I think I've written them all down, so I feel organised, but am I? I don't know. Hopefully so. But the great thing about a list is, you know, it, if, if you don't, even if you don't act upon the list, what it does is it takes that, that dilemma out of your head and puts it down on paper, doesn't it? Couldn't agree more. There's actually a section in the notebook of mind maps. Yeah. Do you, have you ever done a mind map? I use mind maps all the time for interviews, <gasps> for, for, for uh, speeches or whatever you want to call it, talks. How I use, underrated are uh, they? Well, people, well, not, yeah, you, you're right, they're underrated, but it's because people don't know about them. So I was with a friend yesterday, we were doing this thing together, this webinar, and he said, you know, I've got some questions. He said, you know, he said, you probably don't need a piece of paper, do you? I said, no, but I need questions, and I put them on my memory pegs, which is a mind map. It's a, it's a story you tell yourself, which makes it easy to remember anything you need to do. 100%. And that's why I thought, maybe my bizarre thoughts, if I just put it in a book, and if, if anyone else can make fun with it and enjoy it and make it helpful and it's useful, then great. So, yeah, there's some fantastic mind maps in there. Tell us about one of them or a couple of them. What kind of what kind of things do you go for for your images and things like okay, that? Okay, so one mind map I've got at the moment, I really would love to buy a motorhome. I, mm. I took me and the kids on a motorhome trip with my husband not that long ago and we loved it. Right. So... I really wanted to, to look into buying one, but obviously they're, they're quite expensive. So they I was are. thinking I need to really look into this properly. Mm-hmm. So I made my own mind map on ways of which, like what different makes are there, the price ranges, the sort of the dealerships, the best way to do it. And I made a whole mind map on it. Yeah. And it's it's helped me to make decisions. Yes. It's helped me to, I've, I've, put, I've done so many different ones, projects for the house as yes. well. So redoing the garage. Because I, I it gives that. you clarity, doesn't it? Does, it does, it so, does. And what I do with mine, you know, if I'm going to actually write them down and turn them you know, into physical things, I will get not a piece of A4 paper, I get a piece of A3 paper. So Amazing. it's bigger, you know, and it's not just writing, it's pictures and it's arrows. Scribbles uh, and drawings, yeah, your and, whole mind. Yeah. I and then, agree. And then things jump out at you from the paper. You go, actually, I'm not even, none of this is, is connecting with me, but that bit in the middle, is yeah. and on a whole mind map there might only be one thing that you want to action or act upon and that's the clarity but it's got it all out of yes, your head yes. hasn't it it's got it all out of it's your head and that's why I absolutely love I love stationery anyway I love notebooks so to be able to create my own is it's it's amazing and to see people using them and tagging me in them and saying oh, this has helped me and that's helped me I'm like oh my gosh thank you like I love it I absolutely love it and there's some fantastic winter lists in there and Christmas lists so if you need to get organised then Feel free. Yeah, and what's really, <laughs> what's really important about the mind map, and all the lists is, I think, there's that great phrase, you can't transmit what you don't have. 
You know, you can relate it and relate it, but you can't transmit it. And if you're coming up with options in your head, you can't then choose from those options because your mind is in option-producing mode. Exactly. So, we have the same mind here. I know. We are on the same But then you put eight. the options down and you can change roles and you can be the picker. Yep. It's like being on blind date, either you're the picker or you're one of the three. But you can't be one of the three and the picker. It's not going to work. I agree. Well, yeah. listen, you are awesome. It's great to see you. Thank Mrs. you Tinch, though. life in list. Uh, sign this off for my daughter, please. Give me some super dad brownie points over the weekend. That'd be <laughs> of great. Of course, of course. All right, you're awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Dabadabe, over to you. Loss is a part of life, but that doesn't make it easy. On the first day of National Grief Awareness Week, please welcome a lady that knows through her father, Captain Sir Tom Moore, the value of a life well lived and the importance of remembering. It's Hannah Ingram Moore. Hello, Hannah. Good morning. It's great to see you. Oh, good to see you all and to be here with you. What an incredible thing after all these months of doing it by phone. I know, it's nice to see you. And what a beautiful day for your photo shoot, which I know you're going straight to after the programme. Certainly am, onto a bus. Um, uh, just outside Scotland Yard. What does that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. Uh, but you got lots of lovely friends turning up there. An open top bus, a special bus, because uh, orange is the is the um, signature colour for your campaign. And also, we're going to be lighting up as many landmarks throughout the UK as possible. When's that going to happen? It'll happen this afternoon. Is that this afternoon? Yes, All right. Uh, so it's the first one I believe happens this afternoon. Okay. And uh, many places in London are going to light up. That's great across That's the country right. for, to form this sort of beacon of, um, of of message, if you like, isn't it? So, what is the message and and who has got this together and how did you get involved so this is the good grief trust Uh, of course how could we not um, get involved unfortunately grief is a club that we all end up in Uh, it just depends at what stage of your life it happens and um, the good grief trust uh, came to me and said would I please uh, launch the campaign for them and of course mostly because people know that my family and and I grieved on a global stage and um, that grief is hard and it's hard to do even though we knew we were sharing that loss with many uh, we still had to grieve as a family and so they've asked me to um, open the campaign for them yeah i mean i suppose in a way you're one of the most famous grievers that there's ever been because of your dad that's right and you know it's a t-shirt that we all wear right unfortunately we will all wear it yeah um it just depends at what stage of your life you do wear it and and when i was talking to to linda from the good grief trust i said of course everyone asked me about the grief of losing my father nobody asked me about my mum because she died no one knew and of course the grief that I felt at losing her when I just had a young children of my own uh, to lose my mother as I'd become a mother was the greatest loss I think I could have ever felt and I still feel pockets of anger about it I still feel sorrow about it and grief never really leaves us we just become more able to manage it. And of course, the grief of my father was so different because he lived with us for 13 years. So we, it was like the deafening silence in our house. Mm. And that's a grief that it's really hard to deal with because I would open the cupboards and he was there. And everywhere I went, he was there and yet he wasn't there. So I hope what we can do is encourage people to talk and encourage people to seek out help and support. Right, so Good Grief Trust is where you need to go. Just Google Good Grief Trust. Trust.org. Find out all about it. Yeah, I mean, it just comes up straight away because yeah. I've just done it. But um, absolutely, 100%. All right, how are you? Oh, um, amazingly good. Thank yes. you. Busy, busy, busy. We have um, a big announcement for the Captain Tom Foundation coming. I think it should be landing on your desks today. Um, so I can't tell you more. Um, but it will be, I hope that... 
How can I explain this? We have worked really hard as a family to try and understand with the legacy that my father has left, how can we positively impact society in the greatest way we think we might have come up with it. Oh, that's exciting. What a tease. Yes. You terrible tease, Hannah um, Ingram Moore. Yes, yeah, so we're really excited. We're working all the time on it. We want to... The measure of everything in my life now is how would he have thought? Yeah, yeah. What would he have thought? Yeah. What is what we're doing right? Yeah, well, he'll tell you. He, he Yeah, and yeah. he does all the time. Chairman he of the board. just here. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I think that he would believe this was amazing. Yeah. As, uh, yeah, and I think uh, for me, I can hear him giggling away, right? As you're wrestling, this is what I'm doing now. Right? I'm imagining your dad, right? And I can hear him giggling away as you wrestle with furrowed brows about a decision. And he will just he will just bring some levity into the situation. Don't take yourself too seriously, Hannah. Team, is there good to be done here? Okay. Is it 80-20? Is it going to work? Is it worth all the time and the effort? If not, move on. Yes, it is. Well, get on with it then. Don't worry about it. It's like you're him. That's exactly what he'd have said. <laughs> and he would have very much been like, why are you wasting your energy worrying about this? Yeah, yeah. Crack on, get on with it. You've got one life to have a go at it. He was very like that. We think, um, we think we're think we onto something. Well, I um, can tell by the twinkle in your eye. Yeah. What was the last Christmas like with your dad? Oh, it was, it was pure joy. Yeah. Um, it's very special, wasn't it? Very special. He... Uh, my memory, the one that I conjure up when you ask me, is he's sitting um, on the beach with his feet in the sand mm -hmm. and he's watching Georgia come out of the sea and he's reading a novel. What can I say? <laughs> that was it. And this is because he, he took a dream flight. BA sorted, let's give him a shout out. Oh, shout out. BA sorted him out, didn't they? They did and they, they treated him like... Uh, I honestly think if Her Majesty the Queen had been on that flight, uh, she wouldn't have been treated better. Yeah. Um, and he loved her and he would have given up his seat for her. But they treated him like a king. Yeah. And I will thank them forever ever for that. And of course, um, the Barbados Tourist Board, they give them a shout too. Yeah. They made it happen because he said, when asked, what's on your bucket list? I want to go to Barbados. Yeah. It happened. What a final act. What a final For act. For a fine man. <laughs> yes. uh, it's great to see you again. Anything else you'd like to get out there while you're on? Uh, well, I'm hoping that you, once you hear what we're talking about, that you might want to talk to me again. <laughs> Guaranteed, 100%. <laughs> Done deal. Don't care what it is. Don't care if it's like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, the longest I spy uh, conga ever. I'm okay. sure it's better than that. We can add that in. Anyway, yeah. all right. Great to see you, Hannah. Great to see you. Okay, the message is, it is day one of uh, National Grief Awareness Week and you need to Google... Um, the Grief Trust. Good Grief Trust. Good Grief Trust right now, if you don't mind. Do that right now. Get involved at a local cafe. If you run a cafe, then fill your boots. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She's the moon mentor that knows just how powerful that round thing in the sky can be. And her new book, Crystals for Self-Care, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a lady on the cusp of a new dawn of the new, new age. It's the wonderful Kirsty Gallagher. Hello, Kirsty. <laughs> Good morning. Where have you been? Buried them. It's a secret. <laughs> so, so Kirsty, <laughs> Kirsty and her crystals. What she does is, if she wants something to happen, she goes to where it might happen, and she buries a couple I of crystals do. the day before. You did this for your book, didn't you? I did. Tell us, tell us about that. I did. So, 
my publishers, we'd had a meeting about the book and it was going into the kind of the bigger meeting to be decided if it would definitely go ahead. So the night before the meeting, I got a moonstone and I sat and held that little moonstone and just poured all my love into this moonstone about, please let this book be a yes. Please let me share the moon magic with the rest of the world if this is meant to be. Set an intention. Then went to my publisher's office and skulked around outside and hid it in a bush Mm -hmm. outside the office. But it worked because they said yes. Well, might they have said yes anyway? Because we don't know if it was because of that, do we? It was, it was. It was a crystal magic. All right, no, good. It's still there as well. It's still in the bushes unless anyone reads the book and goes to try to find it. Right. Okay, so um, look, you know I'm fully on board with the moon. I am all in on the moon, but I'm, you know, my jury's half out with crystals. However, now I've read your book, I'm sort of, um, you know, much closer to to you on that crystal bridge than I was ever before. And we'll get into crystals in a moment or two, but there's so much good stuff in the book anyhow. um, Because you talk about auras. Now, I'm I'm all in on auras as well, people's auras. Tell people about our aura and why they are a real thing. And you can deny them all you want via the boundaries of your skin and bones, but it's just not the way it is. No, our aura we meet people's aura and so when you have a friend and you just know that they're off or something's wrong with them without them even saying anything that's their aura that you pick up on when someone like you for example comes into a room and the room is just filled with a good energy that's your aura that's your energy (laughs) could go either way (laughs) but that's your energy in the room so our aura carries it's almost like all of your thoughts emotions energies are sort of swirling around you Um, no it's it's really important isn't it Uh, a couple of lovely other um uh, takeaways in the book immediately the the accepting of energy mm. with one hand and the releasing and sending out of energy with the other yes. I didn't know about this yeah. but the second I read it in your book I put the book down I did that a lot by the way <laughs> I put the book down I thought oh, right, I've got to have a go I'll try you know? this and it's clearly I, I, I clearly receive energy with my left clearly yes. and I definitely send it out with my right and I can feel it now even yes. this one the, the right hand doesn't receive Hardly anything, but it's happy to send out everything like Spider Man. You know, but the left, I can feel everything coming in on my left side and going out on my right side. Now, I am right handed, but you said it doesn't always follow. No, it doesn't always follow. It can be anything. And how powerful is that, though, that even now you can hold an intention of releasing things, letting things go, or attracting and bringing things to you? And that's just you simply working and taking control and power over your own energy so if people want to test that out now what should they do you just need to really feel into both of your hands so just to sit and to feel the energy in your hands Mm. and the one thing i'll say to begin with about the book is and and probably as you say why the reason a lot of people maybe aren't sold is because we do start to go a little bit into the unseen of what can't be seen what can't necessarily be logically understood or known for sure exactly until you've experienced it for yourself Mm. so even things like feeling energies Many people, when they first start, are going to say, I don't feel anything. But the more tuned in you get to yourself and your energy, like you now, you can't not feel that anymore in your own hands. I'm so glad you said that. Because once you've looked over the garden fence, there is no unlooking. Exactly. I will always know this now. And I do know this now. I know that I feel energy with my left and I know that I send it out with my right. And it helps you to talk because you can do this with your hands. And you go, go, come over here. here. Go over there. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah. Another lovely little exercise, which all the family were doing last night, um, is the rubbing together of your hands. Yeah. So just explain... 
what I'm talking about, why it's in the book and how we might test that right now, everyone. Well, the rubbing together of your hands just helps you then to feel that energy in your own hands. So, so it just helps you to feel it. Right. So what we're trying to feel here is your own energy in right. between your hands. So you would rub your hands together just to start to feel the energy of your hands. Until they're warm. Until they're kind of warm, you feel a little warm, tingly sensation. Yeah. And then closing your eyes, you take your hands, palms facing each other, about shoulder distance apart. Right. And then just start to really gradually and gently begin to sort of move your hands together until you will start to feel a little bit of resistance there. <laughs> I can there. feel it, I can feel it. Can it's, you, like, it's like a beach ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. a beach exactly. ball or a balloon. And then you can start to mould your own it's energy. So cool, And man. create it. And this also is a really good example of your own energy level. Some days you're going to have a big energy. Other days you might yeah. get all the way in because your, your aura's drawn a little bit closer yeah. in. Your energy's... And depending on the moon as well. There we go. Here we go. Just slip a bit of moon energy into there. Oh, we've got an amazing moon coming up on Saturday we've got a Sagittarius new moon solar eclipse right so that, that's when it's born on, on yes, Saturday yes and now there are moon. certain things we should definitely avoid doing around a new moon it's not a bad thing it's a good thing however you do want to avoid certain behaviours and decisions a new moon we want to so the dark moon that's going to come up this week now is going to take us into kind of that lowest energetic point of the lunar cycle right. where we're going to feel quite emotional. And this happens because many of us don't know for sure what we want. Mm. A lot of people just don't know. So the dark moon will show us what we don't want. Right. So we'll find it's probably this week that we might get irritated by our commute, for example, or people that we work with or the job that we're doing or the place that we live. or It's just for little irritations. And it's so important to pay attention to these little irritations and the emotions that go with them. Yeah, and just check yourself. Because this is just a sign of where we're out of alignment. So then the new moon will come on Saturday and she'll say, okay, that's what you don't want. What do you want? Let's look at what you do want. And now we can start to work towards creating that over the next lunar cycle. This is lovely. It, it is lovely. You know, Crystals for Self-Care, um, the ultimate guide to crystal healing by Kirsty Gale. It's beautifully written. It's full of really insightful information that I didn't know about crystals anyhow. And a great exercise with or without crystals. Kirsty, you're a dream to know and you're a dream guest and thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much for having me and letting me share. I appreciate you. Where did you hide the intention crystal today? <laughs> Come on. What did you do? What was your intention for this interview? Because I know you, I know you, you will definitely have set one. Look at him. Look, tell me. Come on, tell me. It's going to continue spreading the vibes into the office forevermore. All right. And did you um, wear your top to match the cover of your book? I did. Of I came on brand. Of course you did. Of course I did. Course I came did. on brand. Kirsty, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Sunday Times bestselling author of Lunar Living, Crystals for Self-Care by Kirsty Gallagher. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If you're a greyhound and what's nothing more than just a chillax, then listen closely to our next guest. She's the lady that gave Jeff the Lurcher a new lease of life. So, ladies and gentlemen, from Parkland Farm Greyhound Hotel, please put your paws together for the wonderful Caroline Turner. Hello, Caroline. Good morning, Chris. Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm very emotional. I'm tr I'm crying already. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> what? I, mean, I will pull myself together. See, well, if you... Look, if you can't hold the tears back, nobody can, because you run the Greyhound Hotel. Tell us about what you do, where you do it, and how many lovely greyhounds benefit from your industry. So what we do is um, we have four rescue greyhounds of our own. Uh, they shouldn't all be here, but they are, because I'm a sucker. Um, and then when people go on holiday, they book in with us um, and bring their greyhounds to us, and we treat them as one of our own. They live in our ho house with us. They've got their own VIG lounge, very important Greyhound lounge, with their own sofas, chairs and TV. So a life of luxury, Chris. 
<laughs> Caroline, I love the fact you do this. I love the fact you're doing something you love. So okay. what is the capacity? What is the maximum capacity for the Greyhound Hotel, i.e. your living room or wherever they, they, yes. they sleep? Yes, we, we can take another four guests on top of our own. But, right. you know, we prefer a couple less because, as you can imagine, it's a bit hectic. All right. <laughs> Walking's fun. All right. So d- I'll, I'll issue this. I don't know if it's required, but I'll issue it anyway. This is a mascara warning uh, for Jeff's yeah. story. Tell, it, tell us about Jeff, please. So I received a phone call last Wednesday afternoon from the vet in Cranley to say, we've got this amazing lurcher. He's lovely, but he's going to be put to sleep this afternoon. Um, but we, we're, you know, do you know anyone that, that could help? So I said, well, leave it with me. And I spent all afternoon on the phone and I, I couldn't really get anywhere. So... I put something out on my Facebook page, you know, can anyone please, please help? And it was it was the afternoon, of course, people are at work. So I rang the vets back at five and I just said, just just don't. I'll, my husband wasn't at home. I didn't know where I was going to get this money. But I said, don't put him down. I'll have him. <laughs> so thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to tell my husband that we're having another dog? Anyway, I um, then put decided I'd do a GoFundMe page mm-hmm. and um, put Jeff's, as he's now known, um, plight on the um, GoFundMe page. And within two hours, we raised £4,000 to have the operation he desperately needed. And I just want to now say thank you to every single one of you that, that did this because it wouldn't have been possible without all of these amazing people. That's quite so Jeff's leg was, was smashed to pieces. Yeah, You've yeah. seen the x-rays, I, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was dumped on someone's doorstep bleeding. Yeah. Um, so I went and picked him up, took him to the most amazing referral vets where Fred from Anderson Abercrombie performed an incredibly difficult operation on him to uh, repair his leg. And that's where we stand now. He's the most waggy, most beautiful, trusting <laughs> boy, and he shouldn't be from what he's oh, already been through. Um, I'm he's tearing amazing. up. I'm tearing up, and I was ready for this. And oh, um, he's amazing. You've completely got me. So um, that is where you stand, and that is where he stands now because he can stand. In fact, we've he got can. video of him walking around because it's very important to get them uh, into rehab as soon as possible, isn't it? Yes. So what we'll do, Chris, is he will come. I'm seeing him again later today. Yep. He will come and live with us in our home um we'll keep him in a a confined area because obviously with the broken leg he can't get too excited um um, until he's the luckiest dog on this planet um to come and live with you and your lovely family oh well we're so grateful (laughs) i've completely gone oh my god so grateful i'm so grateful it's an amazing story i've done nothing but cry since last wednesday it's a lovely story well done i mean you know you talk about him being the luckiest dog not because he's coming to us because because you uh, heard his story and you you say you've saved his life is all you've done which is amazing me off again (laughs) i know well you've set me off so sorry quid pro quo and all that oh bless you right now i better tell you about his name yeah so here we go i mean this is the (laughs) elephant in the room all right okay this is this is how to stop those tears Uh, rachel's rachel's gone as well i love <laughs> Buster's hasn't quite, but he's weak. Um, he, so he can I go. went to collect him this is, this is from funny. the original this vet is, to, to so take him to the new one, and he wasn't microchipped. So I thought, well, I'll get him microchipped so that he at least is registered to me and, you know, he's then essentially safe and he's got somewhere to come back to. And uh, they said, oh, and what's his name? I was like, 
oh, 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 my goodness. And I turn round and my husband is standing next to me. <laughs> You've guessed it. He's called Jeff. So the dog is actually named after my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Because I panicked and didn't know what to call him. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, you could have called him chair or television or Bob or whatever, but you just said Jeff. Jeff. And it um, kind of suits him. So, but obviously, we won't be offended if you. No, no, he's got to be Jeff. He's now forever Jeff. <laughs> well, it's his part of his rescue. That's the isn't deal, it, so. Jeff. Jeff is the Jeff is the man, man. And no. how, how is your Jeff? How does your Jeff feel about the canine Jeff? Do you know he's amazing? He um, he never bats an eyelid when I come home and say, oh, "We've just rescued another dog. We've been mm. on holiday before now, and someone's sort of put a post up with a dog with a broken leg." And he said, "Well, we just need to go and get him. He's so supportive. He's amazing." Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm very very lucky, but well, he's great. I can't wait to see you again because we have Thank a past, you. don't we? We used to we deal in four wheels as opposed to four paws on quite we a regular do. basis. Um, so I can't wait to see you again, Caroline. Well, thank you, Chris. And I'm really excited. And we're going to come see you before Christmas 100%. Oh, that's amazing. Right. Thank no, you, no. Chris. You're and amazing. You're amazing. You. You're amazing. And Jeff is very lucky to have you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.